Who's Bekistan? Where's Bekistan? Why's Bekistan? How's Bekistan? Beck is in Uzbekistan. What's going good and what's going bad? And she's live from Tashkent, Uzbekistan, in the heart of Central Asia. Episode 12, Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan. Okay, what am I excited by? What am I puzzled by? And how long do I plan to stay? I'm excited by a few things today. Um, there was a big snow yesterday at about, I don't know, 1 or one thirty. It was sleeting. And then I was inside for about an hour and a half. And it had already, like, covered the cars and, and most of the grass. Then I was inside for another hour and a half. And I don't know, it was maybe like three inches and then overnight, I'm not sure, maybe about six inches. So it was just really beautiful, just like a beautiful, pretty snow. Of course, today when I head out and have to walk, it all froze overnight and have to walk on it frozen, I will probably not be celebrating it as much. But anyway, beautiful snow yesterday and last night. So, um... So, yesterday, when I was inside for an hour and a half the first time, I was appearing as a guest on a talk show. So, I'd never done anything like that, but it was the real big, you know, what you would think of a TV soundstage and fancy lights and multiple camera angles and, you know, fix my hair and makeup. For those of you who know me personally... That's really something you can probably count on one hand the number of times I've worn makeup in my life and had hairspray in my hair. Interestingly, in two weeks, I have um, have an event I've got to go to. Where I've, I've kind of got to go in a costume, and I'm wanting my hair curled for that. So I imagine I'll have hairspray in my hair for that. So apparently, hairspray must be kind of a new thing for me. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah. So, apparently, the government here has opened up a new English-speaking TV channel. And so, of course, it's got lots of different programming. And so, one of the programs is to interview, you know, basically just anybody, you know, conversant in in English, you know, primarily, you know, foreigners, about, you know, their job or what they're doing here, some kind of idea to go along with it. So, um, a local contact of mine here is one of the bookers. And asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, well, okay. So, they asked me to put together, write a little kind of description of my background. And then, unbeknownst to me, they also went on my LinkedIn. And, you know, read a little bit about my professional background. And then, the night before, sent me 12 questions and said, you know, here's what the questions are going to be. You know, how was that? And one of them I asked to remove because I absolutely had no idea. And another one needed a little bit of editing. So I kind of got up Friday morning and spent a little time reflecting on those questions. And, you know, needing to make sure I really had an answer at the tip of my tongue. So my strategy was I kind of created a buzzword for each of the questions. And then I would kind of know my jumping off point for, for there. So, like, one question was about what's different about teaching students in Tashkent. And so, my buzzword was um, reassurance. 
that local students here need a lot of reassurance. Um, what's the connection between my love of snowboarding and teaching? And that was about, you know, learning something as an adult, being c compassion for learning something new. Compassion was the key word. Uh, about pro um, professional development opportunities for me here. My key word was partnerships with Western universities. So you kind of see how that went. So, yeah, so kind of made me a little page of notes, got my thoughts together, put on my very professional-looking teacher dress, combed my hair in the most appropriate way that I could, and traipsed over there in the sleet. I uh, had a little bit of trouble finding the entrance, but while I was fumbling around finding the entrance, uh, there was another man there who was also to be interviewed who was a ridiculously tall Turkish man who's here working as an engineer. And so just briefly got to talk with him a little bit. Anyway, so we got ushered into the building. First stop, hair and makeup. I said, oh, thank God. This will make my mother so happy. Um, I just thought that they would, you know, put a little powder on my face or something. But I will tell you one thing. That woman knew her job well. Because then, you know, she starts getting out some more products. I'm like, oh, Jesus. What if this woman gets me looking like a clown? But, you know, she didn't. It was very, it was very, it was very tasteful. She made me look like um, a better version of myself. Then, you know, I just thought she would maybe put a little hairspray to get my bangs, you know, under control. No, she like... I guess she kind of got my hair like in a ponytail and kind of wrapped a piece around it to cover up the um, uh, hair tie. Um, so anyway, um, I have lines between on my forehead between my eyes that I absolutely hate. So that's why I have long bangs to try to cover those up. Unfortunately, she, she sprayed my bangs too high. And so my wrinkles are just fully on display. But... um. But anyway, so that was something different, and then got ushered into the studio where the Turkish gentleman was, you know, recording his segment while I waited, and, um, you know, just tried to wait calmly and make sure I could make my points. So then the Turkish gentleman finished, and I, you know, enthusiastically greeted him, told him he did a great job, and... And, you know, he had talked about something like, I guess, advice for young engineers or something was the last question. And he's like, advice for young engineers? How can I say that? I'm only 28 myself. So, anybody can be a star here. The one-eyed man is king in the land of the blind. You're an English teacher and you want to be a professor have at it. You're an engineer at age 28 and want to be head of a massive project. Have at it. Afterward, I learned a little bit about the host. And he, I guess, um, if I had to guess an age, I don't know, maybe like 40. Um, maybe a little younger. So he, previously in his career, he had done something in radio and television. But then most of his career, you know, he had worked for a big international NGO here. And then 
his wife works for the TV show as an editor, and as they were starting, you know, all this English programming, her husband speaks English, and it had somewhat of a background in it, you know, that's how he got to be the host of the show. So, I mean, even he is the one-eyed man in the King of the Land of the Blind, and, and he's a local that, you know, I mean, having competent English, having competent English is just a door opener, you know, uh, anyway, so I jumped up on stage, and, you know, they, they helped me understand how to sit a little bit to look the best, and they wanted to make sure that my dress was over my knees, you know, it is what it is, I was very, very tastefully dressed, um, but yeah, so I, you know, we, we, we rolled through the questions, and I felt like, I wasn't sure how long to talk for, like, how much backstory to give with each question. And so, as we finished, we ended up short of time. And so, he's like, you know, we need to go back and, and beef this up a little bit. So, we went back and did one of the questions again, and I kind of elaborated further. But then, that's when I felt a little bumbly and a little... Funky. I think through the first pass through, I felt like I was pretty much, you know, on topic and, and being reasonably reasonably articulate. So, um, anyway, the, the final product, it'll either be released either tomorrow or next Sunday. So, I'm obviously extremely curious. Um, but, you know, I did it because... A friend of mine asked me, well, why are you going to do it? And it's to have an experience that I can't have anywhere else. And that's what happened. And, yeah, I mean, that's just my goal here is just to take advantage of as many opportunities, you know, as I, I can. Um, it was a little hard to split the difference. Like, I kind of did want to promote my school, but, you know, that couldn't be the sole purpose of it. So, I don't know. I'm curious to see what ends up on the, the cutting room floor. And also, you know, I'm not the marketing team from my school. So, um, they had asked me about uh, providing some, like, photos. So, I just instructed them to use the school logo and maybe a few photos online of my school, um, which they had. So, I'm kind of curious, did they contact the school and the marketing team, you know, provided some photos. So, yeah. I mean, just trying to just dig my fingers in and go forth with any opportunity that presents itself. And I've got to really get my feelings under control. If I end up looking like an idiot on it, well, then it was a learning experience. And it is what it is. But hopefully, hopefully I won't look like an idiot. So, just I'm excited about unexpected opportunities here. And again, I've commented on this a lot, trying to make the most of this schedule that, you know, that allows for some stuff like this. Okay. What am I puzzled by? So, you know, I'm a part of a women's organization here this year. And the people in it, in general, are more affluent and wealthy than I am. It's a lot of women who are here with their husband's very high-powered jobs. And... I mean, even though maybe back home some of those people would be more middle class or upper middle class, in this setting, they are wealthy. Um, 
I mean, it's hard to gauge. I mean, there are ways in this setting I'm wealthy too, but when I account for how much money I need in the States, then I'm really not. You know, I, I, I guess I consider myself upper middle class here. I think the primary difference between me and other upper middle class people here would be I don't have a car. Um, because I wouldn't want to, you know, make that investment here, and I wouldn't want to drive here. So, so yeah, so, like, sure, I can afford to go to the ski resort here. I eat in sort of, I guess we'll call them, like, mid-level restaurants. Like, it's not really, like, it's not the most expensive restaurants in town. It's not, like, formal dining, but it's also not, like, local neighborhood food. It is notable it is notable restaurants. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are, I mean, those are definitely, particularly the ability to go snowboarding is, is definitely a sign of affluence here. So, yeah, so the point is, I'm around people with, who have a, a higher salary and more disposable income than I am used to being around. And so what I've noticed is, there's, if people know you have money, there's more of an expectation for you to pay high dollar for things and do expensive things. Um, and I mean, I mean, I probably face a little bit of that. Like, my housing fee is, you know, higher than probably a local person's would be. But I mean, I make more money than local people, depending on their status in life, you know, a, a little bit of that, I, I experience a little bit of that, but, but at the upper echelons, it is higher, so, I mean, I never thought I'd say this, but it is giving me some compassion for wealthier people, that it's like, well, just because I can't afford that, don't be expecting me to pay for it, you know, that would, are, are under a lot of, yeah, like peer pressure and societal pressure. You know, like, I've got an upcoming event that the tickets are $55. And like, sure, I'm going to go and going to enjoy it. But like, that's not what I would have chosen otherwise, probably. And of my peer group, you know, when they see the price $55 for a ticket for something, they're like, are you crazy? Um, so, you know, they're in, middle class people are, are in a little better position to decline. I don't know. That's just my observation of it. Maybe maybe other people who are wealthy have got better options to, to say no and decline and, and to still have a very modest lifestyle, so... Anyway, but that's just been something I had never really considered before and, you know, just another side of life I have experienced. Um, I have heard some wealthier people in their in uh, in non-western countries who live here that they have a lot of staff and they were like, "Well, Rebecca, but we're giving those people jobs." So sort of like they were sort of obligate like if you've got money you're obligated to hire some household help because you're in a position to and you know that you're you're helping ease unemployment so definitely some definitely some things I had not ever witnessed so anyway um I've got 
two weeks of class and one week of grading left in the term here, rolling toward the fourth term, and 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 hopefully, hopefully, a, a good a good trajectory, a good trajectory forward. There are challenges with my job. It has a lot of responsibility, but it is a good job, and I hope that it will continue on. So, yep, excited about the snow, excited I got to be on TV, puzzled by the spending habits and expectations of wealthy people, and going joyfully forward into the future. Whoever you are, wherever you're listening from, I'm glad you're listening, and thank you for coming along on the journey.